This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends. And wow, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm Renette Marburg, and you are joining us on Radio K Pulpit. 7 to 9 a.m. this afternoon and I just want to really say that we are the program that gives you hope, wisdom and guidance and knowledge when real life happens in the family. And we often discuss relevant, very relevant and often unspoken issues in the family, in truth and in love. But with God we can rise to restoration and rise above all and together as a family. And we have, I have been so privileged this afternoon to have part Pastor Warren Lotter joining us this afternoon from uh, Sutar uh, Family Church in Para, and he is really going to share something that I think we all need to hear. And it is really a time of essence where we are right now. Our generation has traded God for the ways of the world, and he's going to really give us some, you know, it's been over the years, been throughout history, the same thing happening, but we need to take and adhere to the warnings that are happening right now. So welcome, Pastor Warren. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Hi, Renee. Thank you very much. It's such a privilege for me to be here. Great. So we're going to just take a break now, and then we'll be joining him straight after this, and I'm going to give you a further little introduction to him, and then we are going to continue with this very, very important topic. Good afternoon, family and friends. And yes, we have got Pastor Warren Lotter in the studio with us this afternoon. I just want to thank him for joining us. He's a husband. He's a father to adult children and to two scholars. And this is why I think this topic is going to be very relevant for those that have families at the time, at this time. And, you know, you've been pastoring, Pastor Warren, you've been pastoring a congregation at Sitar Family Church in Paro, and you have found the challenges in revitalizing a church that has so much history and, you know, it's rich in its heritage. Mm. Um, but yes, you do believe that God created us to love, adore Him, and delight in Him. I love that and enjoy Him. And that is why I really needed you to be on, on my program this afternoon because really when I attended one of your services, it was just that's what I felt. You know, He's the spirit, uh, the enjoyment, and really understanding who you, He's been created, uh, you know, how He created His love for us and how we need to love Him back. Mm, yes, so yes. thank you so much. It's such a privilege having you here this afternoon. Great privilege. And yes, so, you know, we've been living in really unprecedented times and it's very perilous times. And we really, as a nation, as globally, with all the influences and all the things happening and still driven for money and finances, and we've actually replaced the, the world, you know, instead of using God. So, you know, what is it that... In history, throughout history, we've come through these stages where God is just secondary to everything else. So just explain to us what... Yes, Renette, um, let me just start by saying how we, how we got to this topic. Yes, please. Um, and it was really because um, in, in our lives, when, when it comes to, especially those of us who, who confess that we're Christians, that we've accepted Christ as our Savior, that we trust Him for our eternity... 
um, that we, we, we need to find a way to make sense of what the Bible tells us and not only make sense of it, but apply it to our lives. So how does what we read in the Bible, how does it, how does it impact me and how does it help me to make sense of my walk with the Lord and my walk with the struggles and with the pains and with the disappointments? And, and so part of that was um, – uh, and, and it was just one of those things that I, I was busy uh, praying before the Lord and, and he talk, took me to the book of Acts and I thought, you know, I've never actually done – a proper study and, and, and in sermons that, that, that mm. we've done a, a series. And, and so I sort of felt, well, let's do this. And this series has just actually become so marvelous. So, so us getting to this point about talking about the generation was part of us going to uh, Acts 1 and seeing what God did there and realizing, but there's so many things that they experienced as the early church that is different from how we experience it. And mm. and it's sort of obvious because this was the first church. There had never been a church. So when the, the Holy Spirit came, it came in a very specific way and it had a very specific um, uh, effect on them. They, they spoke in languages that people could understand. I mean, imagine if we were filled by the Holy Spirit, you and I, and we could walk into the streets here and we could come across. I mean, we're here in, uh, in the Western Cape and, and there are people living around us who speak Swahili. There's people who speak French. Mm. There's people who speak all different. Imagine if, if that would happen to us and we could walk out. It doesn't, though, does it? So how can we make sense? Um, and so that was, that was the, the struggle. And so it was looking at what did they do and what was important to them? And then what are the things that we have in common with them? So one of the things that they did is they prayed. That, that is one of the first things that they did in the book of Acts is they prayed. That's something we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we saw there is that they were filled and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe that we can't do that, but God does that for us, doesn't he? He, he empowers us with, with his spirit. Um, and so that we've got. And then something else that we see is that when Peter starts preaching, and what a sermon that he preaches, his, there's two things that he says. Number one, he starts his sermon by saying, in the last days. And, um, and, and, and we need to realize that he thought that he was in the last days, and he was right, because since Jesus came until he comes again, these are the last days. So, so we, we, we spoke about that. We spoke about the fact, uh, and we studied the fact that, um, that when, when Peter also went, continued with his sermon, he, his first point before saying, before making the point that, listen, we're in the last days, and he quotes Joel. Remember Joel chapter mm-hmm. 2? And he quotes that. Um, his very next point, he just says, now listen to what I'm going to say. And then he says, Jesus of Nazareth. And so he preached Jesus. He preached Jesus um, coming to earth. He preached Jesus' cross. He preached the empty grave. He preached that Jesus is going to return. He preached that Jesus is the Christ. And um, it was while we were busy with that that I got so excited about it. And I don't know, I'm going to read a section of scripture. Please do. And um, actually, do you mind if if we pray? Because, you know, this is God's I, word. Please do. This is God's word. And, and we just always need to make sure that when we're picking up God's word, we are doing it um, with the respect and the awe um, that, that, we, that we need to have. So, um, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that whatever we say um, and whatever points we make from your word, that we can ask you that you will help us not to read into your word what you're not saying, yes. but that you will help us to see what you through your spirit wants, what you want to say to us. 
in our hearts, in our lives. Um, and we thank you for that. Thank you that you're faithful in doing that and that we can trust you. This is your word, Lord. We are your children. Please come and bless it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so Peter's preaching, wonderful sermon about Jesus. And then towards the end of the sermon, um, so we're talking about Acts uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 36. It says, let, and then he, he's busy closing, closing his sermon. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Um, and he, he wasn't scared of, of telling them, you guys crucified this, this, this person. Then yeah, verse 37, he goes on, he says, now when they heard, so that was the end of his sermon. And then Luke, the writer of Acts says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. For the promise, says Peter, is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then we read this. And with many other words. And usually, I must say, usually I skip over this, this verse, mm. but this is the part that, that, uh, that really struck me. And then he says, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Wow. And then it tells us, and then and, and those mm. who received and his word and were baptized, and there were 3,000 that were added. So it was, it was through this whole process of looking at Acts, and I realized that, that, that Peter— and the, the, the apostles were realized that they were living in a crooked generation. And that word crooked generation sort of struck me. And I thought, well, Jesus also talks about a crooked generation. In fact, he talks about a crooked and twisted generation. In fact, let me just go through some of the, some of the translations, right, yes, of, of Acts chapter 2 verse 40. The one we read is the English Standard Version says a crooked generation. And we've got the Amplified Version that says a crooked and unjust generation. Then we've got the message now, I like this one, I have to say. Um, this is not the way we would talk in church, right? But this is what the message says. Um, he says, um, he talks about a sick and stupid culture. I mean, can you imagine that? Um, and then in Afrikaans, a corrupte geslag, afgedwaalde, and then the New King James Version, a perverse uh, generation. And wow, you look at these words, and, and clearly Peter is saying to the people of his time, this generation that we are living in. Now, this is 2,000 years ago, okay? It's not today. It's 2,000 years ago. This is a crooked and twisted and perverse and unjust and wrong generation. I mean, it's, it's actually it's quite amazing. It's hostile. It's unreceptive, um, this culture. Crooked, unjust, sick and stupid, says the message. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Um, and then, and then you go back and you realize, but this is the very generation that Jesus lived in, right? I mean, Jesus had only been, uh, he, it's been 40 days since he had risen, um, in fact, since he had risen from the dead, um, 50 days now because it was the day of Pentecost. And, um, and at a stage when Jesus was talking and the Pharisees came to him and said to him, give us a sign to prove that you are who you say you are. And he, he got quite, it's, you know, if you read it, he got a little bit agitated with him, as Jesus sometimes did with, uh, with the religious people of his time. Mm -hmm. um, and he answered them. He said, it's interesting. When it's evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. 
And in the morning, you say, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. So in other words, he's saying to them, you, you know how to look at nature and when looking at nature, how to predict what the weather might be like. I mean, we do that, don't we? We yes, wake we up do. in the morning and the my time. wife will ask me, is it going to rain today? We look at the app, obviously, but then we also look out the window, right? And you see, oh, yeah, the clouds are looking. Oh, no, there's blue sky. It's probably not going to rain this morning. And so then, so we know how to look at the signs. And he's saying to them, you look at the signs and you predict the weather, but you're unable to look at the real signs that are there that say that I am the Christ. That's what he's actually saying to you. He says to them, um, you look at these things, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times, he says to them. And then he says, and I'm, I'm reading it from Matthew 16, verse 2 to 4. In verse 4 he says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and departed. So Jesus adds to it. He says they're evil, this generation, and adulterous. You know what's interesting, though? Um, Just by the way, isn't it ironic that we have the same situation in our time? We've got so many experts. It's like copy and paste yeah. almost. So many experts who can mm. look at nature. They can look at all sorts of things that nature shows. I mean, they've got all sorts of analysis and, and graphs and satellite images. And I mean, it's just incredible. Um, and yet they can still choose to ignore the fact that there's a God behind it. It is, it is almost breathtaking to think that they can see nature around them. They can see the brilliance of God's creation and yet still choose to think there's no God. It is, it is breathtaking. And, any, so, so, and as, as I was reading through, I realized that it's not only Jesus who talks about a generation like this, but actually Moses. Moses speaks about it. He comes in Deuteronomy, and it's 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 towards the end of his life, and and um, he he writes this poem. It's actually a song. The, the Bible says it's a song, um, Deuteronomy thirty-two, um, and then he 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 refers to his generation. This is his people. This is God's people, by the way, God's chosen people. He's not talking about the the nations around him. He's talking about his own people, and he says they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, he says, foolish and senseless people? Um, and, and, and so as you can see, not only in the time of Peter and in the time of Jesus, which was more or less the same time, but even as far back as, as, um, as Deuteronomy, Moses says this this generation is crooked and twisted. They are uh, twisted. They are, they've dealt corruptly. They are foolish and senseless. And as we read that and as we think of our own lives and we think of the things that have happened and the things that we see, um, th- we, we realize that nothing then really has changed. Mm. That nothing really so has true. changed. Yeah. So that is that is incredible. If it's so, you know, as you were sh- saying, it, what was happening then is happening now. So through the generations, this is really so profound and such uh, such truth in all this. So we're going to continue with this conversation straight after this because this I do not want us to lose momentum on what and why we are where we are right now. Yes. So our family, we're going to just uh, stay tuned with us and we're going to listen to a track and then we'll join you straight after this. 
Wow. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And wow, we've got an action-packed, very profoundly truthful uh, message this afternoon. We've got Pastor Warren Lotte from Soter Family Church joining us this afternoon. And he is really giving us a very interesting uh, concept of how we as a generation have chosen not to heed to the warnings of our times. So, Pastor Warren, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Such a privilege. Um, I just want us to carry on with what we had we spoke about earlier on. You know, this is a generation that has really turned away from the Lord, but it didn't just start here. Yes, It started right at the beginning. Yes. So I want you just to share with us and why. Yes. Yes, well, I mean, fortunately, we have the Bible, right? I mean, if we didn't have the Bible, then what would we do? And uh, so we've got someone like Paul, for example, who in Romans is, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing to read how Paul explains how things have developed the way they have. And I want to read there quickly, and then I want to mm. go back to the, the original reason why it is so. Um, so Paul in chapter 1, right at the beginning of Romans, verse 18, he says there, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, and listen to this, suppress the truth. Think of our day. Think of how um, people see the brilliance of nature. They see the greatness of creation Mm -hmm. and yet choose to suppress the, the truth about about who made this and about where this comes from. No, it was some big bang. It was some of this or some of that. Um, uh, and then it says, for what, for what can be known about God is plain. This is Paul speaking, right? He says, there in, he says, what can be known about God is plain. What he's actually saying is if, if you look at creation, just look at your own, at your own creation, look at your own body. I mean, the, the incredible, the beautiful, the wonderful way God has created us um, uh, to function, whether it be the way we're able to see or to hear or to speak and, and, and to put thoughts into, into words and to write and to learn and to create. And it's just, it's just wonderful. And that's just talking about us as human beings. And then you look out there, you look at the the, the mountains and the sea and it's and so and it's also beautiful um and 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 what paul is actually saying if we look around us the truth about god is actually what he says here plain to see it's not it's not a mystery it's not like he's, it's not it's, scientific it's, yes and he's not hidden himself away mm. he's made himself clearly known it's plain to see to them, because God has shown it to them, and He says there, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So He says they are without excuse. So He's talking about human beings. He's talking about all human beings. He's talking about all cultures, all generations from the start. That the the, the truth about who God is is actually plain to see in creation and in, in, in the things he has done and the way he maintains creation. Um, and it's plain to see, but they've chosen not to. They've chosen to suppress the truth. Um, and, um, and, and, and then he says, and they're without excuse. Now, the question is, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. So there's... And this this really is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. And there's quite a few sad stories. But if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, we think of Adam and Eve. Now, 
they were in the Garden of Eden. Now, neither of us, none of us really knows what it looked like there. But if you read the description, if you think of it, um, it sounds, well, it sounds like paradise, doesn't it? It does, actually. actually. We call it paradise. It's the Garden of Eden. They had everything they would ever need. God had created this garden. He had placed them in this garden. He had given them everything. He had shown them everything. And they could see God and in, 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 in his goodness and his greatness, not only in the creation, but actually even more. And that's where, that's where those of us who have grown up in a, in a country, for example, where the gospel is clearly known, need to, need to hear. They not only saw in his creation his brilliance, but they actually interacted with him yes. uh, on, on a personal level. He spoke to them. He spoke to them. They heard his word. Now, despite that, we read that they chose their own way. Despite living in this glory, despite living in this beauty, despite seeing these things, they chose their own way. We read there that uh, the devil comes, the, the snake comes to, to Eve and he, and he says, did God really say that you couldn't eat of any of the fruit? And then Eve says, no, 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 we can eat of everything except that one tree, he says. And then... Um, and then the, the, the serpent says to the woman, uh, the serpent says to the woman, uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, he says, you will sh- not surely die. And then he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Isn't that terrible? What he's actually saying is, listen, Eve, you actually can't trust God's, uh, God's intentions. His intentions are not as good as you might think. Look at creation. Look at the brilliance. Yeah, it shows a great, wonderful God. But let me tell you, God is not as good as what you think. And what you really need to do, Eve, is take matters into your own hand. Mm. Reject what God has shown you and do things yourself. And she yeah. is the one who reached out her hand. And, 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 and let's be very clear, Adam was also, he also reached out his hand when, he, when she gave the, the fruit to him, whatever the fruit was. She reached out her hand and she took matters into her own hands. Instead of trusting the God who had revealed himself, she took matters into her own hands. And Every generation since then has followed suit. Has followed suit, and in fact, in fact, every generation finds a new way to reject or mm. deny who God is. Every generation has found a new way to reject or deny who God is, and then we read um, that uh, that that Paul in Romans says, uh, "For although they knew God, they did not honor God." Or give thanks to God, uh, but they became futile in their thinking. They were foolish uh, and foolish in, in their hearts, and their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then he says, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. They exchanged the glory, and that's what we're talking about. They traded God for what is not God. And, and, that, and that hasn't changed. And that hasn't changed. That simply hasn't changed. It might look a little bit different. It might look that we itself completely different. Many people today, there's many people in the world who do bow to to images and idols. But today, it feels like, especially in the Western world, um, that the idol is our own our own wisdom, our own uh, ability to reason, our own. We're our own idol. 
We, we think, who needs God? We know better than this. We know better than technology and all the news and everything else. Um, and um, and, and th- the reality is that we have exchanged and we've traded God for, uh, for what is not God. And that comes right from that time in the Garden of Eden where Eve decided, I'm going to do things my way. I'm not going to listen to what God said. I'm going to do things my way. And um, and that and that hasn't changed. And that hasn't changed. Yeah, incredible. You know, and this is exactly where we're at right now. You know, we keep coming. You know, trying to reinvent the wheel, but it's not working. No. So <laughs> it's clearly not working. But we have to come to some kind of realization in this cluttered, over-informed world that we live in. How do we navigate ourselves? But we're going to continue with that. Yes. Um, I really want you to. Help us, you know, what is the plot? What is the, the, what do we need to do to govern our lives and to navigate ourselves in this world that we are living right now? So, family, just hang in there. You have to listen to this. We'll join you straight after this. Good afternoon, family, and thank you for staying with us. Uh, we've really got a very important topic today that we have got to address. We don't address these kind of things in, uh, even in, churches and in sermons or even amongst ourselves. Yes, we get all fearful about the signs of the times, but are we actually adjusting to it? And are we finding ways to understand our relationship with the Almighty God, that we cannot replace Him? He has not changed, but we keep changing. So we need to understand that. We've, I've got Pastor uh, Warren Lotter in uh, the studio with us this afternoon, and he's got such a profound message on how to navigate ourselves and go ourselves in these difficult times and it, and really incline our ears to the warnings that there is. So, Pastor Warren, you've really hit the nail on the head that we have as a na- generations through the times of, of, of history keep on, you know, getting cluttered and replacing God with the ways of the world. So just give us an idea of what is that we need to, and like you said, the word is actually plain, and that really hits home for me, is that how do we live a good, simple, healthy Christian life in today? Mm. Well, I mean, it's we, we have to then go back to the Bible again, don't we? Yes, and, and we look always. at, we think back to, to where we started with Peter's, uh, with Peter's sermon, when he was preaching, the Holy Spirit was poured out and, and there was this, this, this big noise and everyone was coming. What's going on? What's happening here? And Peter started preaching. And, um, and, and in his sermon, he starts off by saying, in the last days. Um, and then towards the end, as we read, he says to them, uh, the Bible says to us, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, save yourselves. Um, from this crooked generation. Now we know those of us who who know the, the who who've heard the gospel regularly that we actually can't save ourselves. We we, we know that. But what he's yeah. actually saying is, listen, there is an option. This crooked and twisted generation, there's an option to be rescued from this generation. Yes. There's, an, there, there, there's, there's an invitation to be rescued. And it's interesting that this word save, this word save yourself or saved, is used another 11 times in the book of Acts. So their message is one that Christ 
came to rescue people mm. from the generation. That, that was the message. And, and actually, the first place he mentions it is not here. It's still in his sermon when he's quoting um, from Joel. Right at the beginning of his sermon, he says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be Saved. Same word. So uh, 12 times at least he uses this word saved. So rescued. So um, it's interesting the message. And I don't often, I don't often preach from the message. In fact, I don't ever. And, uh, but but it's, it's, I love the way sometimes the message just says it in a way that just like, sort of gets just your attention. Child, yes. yeah, <laughs> gets your attention. And he says in the message, they, 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 um, they translated that he went on in this vein. This is now after his sermon for a long time, urging them over and over. And it says there, get out while you can. Exactly. <laughs> get out of that's this generation. Yeah, that's mm. our language. Get out of this generation while you can. And that yes. is actually the, that actually, that's, that's the good news. The good news is that there is a rescue. And, mm. and, and the, the rescue is not that now we're going to be taken up and, and taken away, but that in the midst of this culture, in the midst of this twisted generation, every generation that has been twisted, whether it be from the time of, of Abraham, even Noah, even in Noah's time, the Lord chose for himself mm. someone that he rescued. Right, and it was Noah and his family that that ended up on the ark. So he chose for himself someone that he rescued. Isn't that brilliant? It's so wonderful uh, that he did that. And every generation, there's been uh, a, 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 a people, a people that God has called out, um, yes. called out. And you know, ecclesia um, mm. means the called out, and that's the word for church, right? Um, and uh, called out and saved uh to be uh to be to be to be his and what's interesting is that the bible tells us and i absolutely love the way it says it in english that when these people heard um peter's message it says there that verse 37 of acts 2 it says there they were cut to the heart they were cut to the heart that that something happened in their hearts when they heard this now, now, when when we hear these things and we realize, but I need rescue from this generation, it's only because God through His Spirit is cutting us to the heart. God mm. is the one who does the cutting. Um, the 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 enemy would like us to feel guilty and bad and run away from God and say, "I'll never be good enough." You're right; you will never be good enough. But God cuts us to the heart because He wants us to repent and turn to Him. Um, the Amplified version says, "When they heard this, they were cut to the heart." And then in those square brackets that, that the Amplified mm. gives us, it says, with remorse and anxiety. Imagine that. Imagine you're at home uh, when, you, when you're still a little girl or like a little boy, like, and, and you're at home and you break mommy's favorite vase. Mm. Oh, my word. And you realize I've broken it. And what you have is it was my mistake. I shouldn't have been playing with a tennis ball in the house. So there's remorse, but there's also anxiety. I've broken it and there's no no way to fix it. Mm. There's no way to fix it. And that's what they experienced. It's broken. We're broken. We crucified him. We're wrong. We're part of this generation. We're broken. And not only that, there's anxiety because what can we do? How can I fix this? The reality is you can't fix it. 
Christ comes on the cross and he fixes it. And he, he offers us forgiveness and he offers us a new life. He offers us eternal life. He offers us his Holy Spirit who helps us then to live this life in a new and different way. And he fixes it. So, so when it says that they were cut to the heart and then in brackets and amplified, and I love the, this translation where it says with remorse and anxiety that if we hear God's word and there's remorse and anxiety, the good news is that he forgives and he helps us to fix it because we can't fix it. Wow. Yes. Wow, wow, wow. That is so incredibly powerful and profound. So maybe you can just pray pray for us in this time, just that our hearts, that yes. we rec- receive that circumcision and that heart surgery. I call it heart surgery. Yes, absolutely. Because that's what we need. Our, yes. our nation needs it. Our people need it. Yes. So if you can just end with a little prayer for us, please. I can do that. Father, what a, what a wonderful message. What a, what a wonderful gospel. Um, we realize, Lord, I realize that I am part of a twisted and corrupt generation. In fact, Lord, when I see the way, very often I respond to life and I respond even to your word and the way I think about things, I realize that so much of this twistedness and corruption is still within me. And I so often, even though I've served you for many years, mm. um, I so often need to come to you and say, oh, Lord, rescue me, please, again mm. from this twisted and corrupt generation. Thank you, Lord, mm. that you forgive. Thank you that your word cuts us to the heart, that heart surgery that Renette is talking about. Thank you for doing that because you could have left it. My heart could, be, could not be moved at all. But you come and you cut us to the heart and you help us to respond with remorse and anxiety to come to you and say, oh, Lord, it's broken. My life is broken and I can't fix it. Will you please help me to fix it? Thank you that the Bible is full of stories, whether it be whether it be uh, Psalm chapter uh, Psalm 23, where it says he restores my soul. The Bible is full of stories where you come. And you heal and you restore and you forgive and you give hope and you give life full of it. That is the story of the Bible. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I want to pray for each one who has heard this and is cut to the heart, who who realizes my life is broken and I am not able to fix it. Lord, let them bring it to you. And please come and help them to experience you, the healer, the fixer, and the one who gives new life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. A glorious amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Pastor Warren. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. That was just action-packed, profound on-the-mark message that we really need to hear. So, family and friends, please repent. Turn back to our Abba Father. He is the rescuer and he is the navigator and the governor of our lives. He is the only way, the only way that we can navigate ourselves in this world today. So thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It was really incredible message. Okay, family and friends, we will join you next week. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Be safe, stick to the rules, and see you next week. Goodbye.
This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.